Let me give you an overview of the Google business model so that you can understand what's going on right now, how is the business model working, how is it evolving, what are some of the key highlights from, the, from this year compared to the previous year, and uh, what is going to happen next. It's quite interesting to look at the Google business model. Actually, you know, when I say Google, I really mean Alphabet, with the co company, the holding that controls also Google. But I really say Google just because, as I will explain still as of today, the set of products that make up the, the Google ecosystem and the Google advertising machine actually still represent almost 80% of the revenue for the company. Well, as I'll explain, Google search represent uh, more than 57% of the total revenues as of today and more than 70% of the total advertising revenues for the company. So let me explain a little bit the evolution here. But again, it's, uh, it's quite interesting because um, right now, uh, Google, of course, is facing a huge uh, survival threat, which is coming from the partnership of Microsoft and OpenAI. And this is coming uh, after, uh, you know, the, there was a presentation, a huge presentation by Microsoft a couple of days ago where it uh, introduced the new uh, Bing AI, so the new AI-powered Bing. And I'll explain and I'll tell you also a little bit more about that. And also, yes, there was instead a presentation by Google almost as to counteract against uh, the, the Microsoft attack into the core of the business model of Google, which uh, uh, actually behind, uh, you know, a couple of fails during the presentation, like a disappearing phone to actually demo one of the most important features that, that they presented, which was multi-search. Uh, really, there were a couple of points that I would like to bring with you today for what is going to be coming next for Google. And those are really, as I'll explain further as we move forward this episode, they're really like Google Lens, which honestly I've been using for, for months now on, uh, on, on my iPhone. And I think it's one of the most valuable apps that uh, I have. And uh, the other one is a multi-search, which is going to be the ability to really navigate the internet through the use of AI by uh, having a multi-modal experience, meaning that you're going to be able to interact with images and videos on the web, first images, but then over time also videos and 3D images, you're going to be able to manipulate objects. So the whole experience of search that we know today is going to change in a way that uh, is going to be completely different in, in, in the next months, in the next couple of years. So what's going on with the Google business model? Considering that right now there are three forces that are putting a lot of pressure on, uh, on, on Google. Uh, a couple of forces, uh, one force, I would call it a hybrid force, meaning that is both the top down and bottom up, uh, which is uh, the AI content generated on the web, which is going to put pressure on Google in order to understand how to respond to actually this AI content generation, because let's remind that if this content is, is populating the web, then uh, this is a spamming problem for Google. And as I added many, many times on uh, For Week MBA, uh, one of the things that can prevent uh, Google from uh, uh, actually can make Google collapse from one day to another is the lack of trust uh, from users uh, when it comes to actually believing in what they find on Google. 
And this can happen only if Google is not able to actually prevent spam at scale. And spamming is one of the most important aspects that Google has uh, had, to be, uh, had to be tackling over, over the years, spending like billions of dollars and, uh, you know, hundreds of engineers across the company, or actually I think at this point, probably thousands of engineers or people employed across the company to actually prevent spamming of its algorithm instead, indeed. One interesting take here is that, um, and I explained this uh, many times over throughout, uh, you know, my blog, uh, newsletter, and uh, also I think the podcast. But the interesting take here, when uh, Google were fir was first uh, launched by uh, Brin and Page back in the uh, mid-late uh, 90s, they thought that the primary, uh, you know, problem they would have tackled for years would be actually uh, enabling the web to be indexed and ranked through an algorithm that they created, which was called the PageRank. But in reality, that came uh, out to be just one of the core issues that Google would actually face. The other one core uh, important problem to solve was actually spamming because they figured that the more uh, Google was growing, the more the spamming problem was growing exponentially together with the growth of Google. So there are two points to uh, take into account when you look at the Google business model and the Google product, so Google search product. There's like positive network effects which are actually kicked in once Google is able to actually scale up its index and ranking system and as more users join and therefore perform searches, the more uh, the platform becomes valuable also because its uh, advertising machine grows together with the, with the uh, user adoption. And those are positive network effects. And then on the other side, there is another element, which is the opposite of it, which are negative network effects, which instead they kick in when actually users lose trust into the searches that they perform on Google. And this usually happens when uh, actually you have a spamming, the spamming problem at scale, which Google is not able to solve. So again, right now the first force, which is both uh, a top-down and bottom-up force, just because the pressure is coming from both large companies uh, that uh, are employing, uh, you know, AI content at scale, and then on the other side also users who are actually uh, interfacing or actually interacting with uh, with those with this AI content is coming, you know, both as a top-down and bottom-up problem. Another key force is coming top-down, meaning that there is a huge, fierce competition from Microsoft, who is putting billions now uh, invested into uh, redesigning its whole products, but. The interesting part is that, as I'll explain as we move further the episode, actually Microsoft started just with Bing, meaning that, you know, if you're Microsoft, you have a whole bunch of products that you can start with integrating AI. And to be fair, actually, uh, in reality, Microsoft started the integration of uh, OpenAI into its core products probably more silently when uh, it announced uh, GitHub Copilot, I believe, in, 2000, uh, in 2021. And that was already a huge, huge revolution, which uh, should have actually already been uh, code read for Google uh, back then in 2021. And instead, uh, you know, after releasing a GitHub Copilot, which just to remind is a, an assistant, it's an AI assistant for writing code, which has become quite popular among developers. Uh, then now, uh, really, Microsoft is moving on with the release of um, and the integration of OpenAI technology with Bing. So Microsoft is really um, pushing to compete. Uh, with Google on the core of its business model, which is search and therefore advertising. Just to remind you that um, while, uh, while uh, Google search generated 162 billions 
in uh, advertising revenue in 2022, Bing search, so Bing, the search engine from Microsoft, generated more or less probably over $10 billion, probably $10, $11 billion in 2022. So you can get the difference and you can understand how much smaller is uh, uh, the advertising ecosystem, uh, search advertising ecosystem for Microsoft compared to the, to the search advertising ecosystem on Google. So you can understand why if you're Microsoft, you want a piece of that cake. Also, also because as I will explain, this is uh, quite uh, quite uh, profitable for, for Google. I will explain this through a metric that uh, I like to look when uh, I actually go through the Google business model so that you will understand the full picture here. But going back to the Google business model, how does it work right now? So we can break down really uh, the Google business model into uh, like, uh, let's call it uh, three uh, business units. One is uh, advertising. The other one is uh, really probably the, the uh, mobile um, uh, you know, platform that goes behind uh, advertising. So everything, all the revenues that are generated with, uh, with uh, you know, the, the, the Google Play Store, the hardware, and all the other products, uh, like for instance, uh, YouTube Prime, that, uh, you know, everything that goes behind advertising alone. And then a third point is uh, uh, Google Cloud. And uh, then there is a fourth business unit that though doesn't uh, really count for now because those are all bets that Google has placed, uh, placed over the years, which to be fair, are still costing the company billions of dollars each year in terms of uh, losses, but uh, they are still far in generating revenues. And those comprise company in uh, uh, self-driving, robotics, um, uh, you know, automation and stuff like that. I, I, I will go through it uh, shortly. So. How is the advertising machine uh, for Google looking like right now? Let me explain a little bit uh, by diving into the numbers. Now, Google advertising this year generated over $224 billion in, uh, in, uh, in revenue compared to the overall $282 billion in revenue for the overall company. This means that uh, as of today, advertising revenue for Google still counts uh, at about 80% of its total revenues. The interesting part is if we dive into the advertising machine, we can break it down in uh, three main products, all pretty much falling down into the same advertising uh, machine. When I'm saying advertising machine, what I mean here is I mean a combination of uh, three platforms that make up the overall advertising ecosystem for Google. One is, uh, is uh, Google Ads. If, uh, if you know Google Ads, it's simply uh, actually a bidding a platform for, for advertising, meaning that uh, marketeers or uh, companies uh, can go on uh, Google Ads and they can actually get uh, paid visibility on top of Google search by bidding on certain keywords. For instance, some keywords with a high commercial intent, meaning that users are looking for those keywords when they want to buy something where they will be worth way, way more. For instance, if you are bidding on something like car insurance in New York, you're going to be paying, uh, you know, something like probably, you know, uh, like $10, $20 per click. So as you can imagine, this is a huge money-making machine for, for Google. The other piece of the puzzle, and within the Google Ads, there is also the YouTube Ads ecosystem. So YouTube advertising has been successfully integrated into the Google Ads ecosystem. The other side, the other, uh, let's say, uh, side of the, the puzzle is instead the, the, the publishing network. So the advertising machine that enables publishers to uh, actually make money on top of uh, uh, by showing 
on the one side uh, banners that come from the Google advertising network on their websites so each time that for instance users jump on a site where Google has installed its own banners they're going to be making money either on uh, RPM so um, really it's a, it's a revenue per mille, meaning that uh, each thousand visitors are going to be making a revenue that can go like from 10, 20, 50 dollars, depending on the, the website niche. And then on the other side, uh, uh, also uh, it has a, a platform which is called AdMob, that instead is a platform that works primarily on the Play Store that uh, enables free apps to make money by showing advertising. Again, it's the same logic of uh, the Google AdSense. So also here, advertisers. Uh, like applications on top of the Play Store can show banners that are placed by Google and therefore make money also here with a logic either or RPM or by on a, on a click basis. So that's more or less the advertising machine of Google. Again, Google Ads, Google AdSense, and then you get uh, the, the Google AdMob for mobile. This whole ecosystem has generated again $224 billion in 2022. The interesting part is over $162 billion came from Google search alone. Therefore, Google search still represents over 57% of the total revenues for, for, for Google and um, over, I think, uh, probably 70% uh, revenue of uh, total advertising revenues for, for Google. Uh, so uh, actually 72% of the uh, search uh, advertising revenue is actually uh, making up the whole um, pie for advertising. So again, Google search is making up 72% of the total Google advertising revenue. Now, this uh, ecosystem has actually accelerated also in 2022, even though the growth has uh, uh, stalled a bit, so has, uh, has slowed down. Um, and uh, the Google advertising revenue moved from 209 billions in 2021 to, 20, to uh, 224 billions in 2022. The interesting part is uh, Google, YouTube, uh, uh, sorry, YouTube ads actually uh, get uh, got stuck, meaning uh, meaning that uh, the the revenue went from 20, uh, almost 29 billions in uh, 2021 to a little bit over 29 billions in 2022. The reason is uh, it's because most probably Google has been trying to push on YouTube a new format. If you've been following a little bit of uh, the huge competition between YouTube and uh, and TikTok, uh, actually YouTube has been successfully integrating uh, within its uh, its um, platform uh, a format which is called Shorts. And those shorts are actually uh, a copy of, uh, of uh, the uh, TikTok format, uh, which is the short uh, form video that uh, is the native uh, you know, video feature on top of TikTok. So the interesting part is that those shorts on YouTube may be generating a huge amount of uh, visualizations. On the other side, YouTube, uh, Google has not figured out a way to properly monetize this format. So there is a, a key note here to make uh, and to emphasize. Google has been successfully actually integrating this format also from an advertising standpoint because it's pushing ads through uh, these, uh, those shorts. On the other side, the monetization is still lower compared, as you can imagine, to other uh, established uh, ad formats, that, for instance, like the videos, the classic video that you get on YouTube. So I believe for that reason also the revenue has slowed down on YouTube or uh, has got stuck. I think uh, Google is uh, trying to figure out how to monetize properly this new format, the shorts. If it can pull this out, actually, I think uh, uh, its revenues can skyrocket in the in the coming years uh, because uh, you know uh, Google 
Google might become uh, probably the one of the, the, the few players in the advertising space able to properly monetize this, this format, which is not easy to monetize because it's a short form video content uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it may be uh, quite sticky for users when they scroll through a lot of these short -term, uh, short form videos, but uh, very hard uh, to, to monetize for, for now. On the other side, uh, the Google network uh, also revenue uh, has uh, increased uh, just uh, a little bit. So from almost 32 billion in 2021 to almost 33 billion in 2022. Again, nothing interesting to see here beside the fact that Google network members has a different cost structure compared to the other segments where Google actually splits the revenue with the publishers but part of the network. Therefore, it has lower margins compared to, to the Google search segment. Now, the interesting part is actually Google search has, uh, got, uh, has, has been the segment which has been growing. Uh, going for actually almost uh, 149 billions in 2021 to over 162 billions in 2022. The interesting thing is this shows uh, to me the the, the strength uh, of uh, of the Google search ecosystem, which is quite interesting because uh, it shows how. Google, differently from Facebook, since it owns the whole mobile supply chain, meaning that if, you, if you're Google, you own not only the search engine, you also own the, the, uh, the, the, the platform on top of which uh, users navigate, which is the browser, so Chrome. You also own the, um, the uh, operating system, which is called, of course, Android. And you also produce devices that are becoming more successful, which is the Pixel. Of course, the Pixel phone is still a small percentage of uh, uh, still a small percentage of adoption. But instead, when we look at, when you look at Android as a platform in terms of uh, a mobile, actually is the largest one, even larger that, uh, than iPhone. And this is what is driving the Google search revenues, because most of the revenue that is growing on top of Google is revenue coming from mobile. That's the interesting take here. So the Increased, and this is a trend that I actually was uh, was um, uh, explaining already by by the as the pandemic uh, hit. You know, many uh, many people were many analysts were looking at Google and seeing how Google uh, advertising machine was slowing down and how Google would have not uh, been able to actually get back on track. And instead, I said, "Look, this is an interesting phenomenon that we're looking at right now, where Google adoption has increased exponentially thanks to the mobile adoption. So for years, Google has been primarily a tool for desktop, and now it has transitioned successfully." with uh, as, a, as a tool within within mobile that's extremely interesting it's a, it's a key take so uh, the right now the scale of google has got to the point where it has billions and billions of searches uh, every day and the interesting part uh, and interesting statistic that they shared yesterday at the presentation of uh, new features for the google that is coming out next is the fact that google lens has uh, over 10 billion uh, it's used over 10 billion times uh, each month. It's it's an incredible statistic. So that's what's going on. So thanks to the vertical integration of Google, the fact that it owns the whole ecosystem and the whole mobile platform, going from the, the Google search mobile through also applications like Google Lens, who have a sticky uh, adoption of users, and um, also the uh, the the um, you know the the browser uh, Chrome and then the Android with the operating system 
uh, Google owns the whole supply chain. I integrated that with uh, its advertising machine and also a few deals that Google has with other players, like for instance the multi-billion deal with uh, Apple to be featured as a key search engine within the, 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 the Apple ecosystem, mobile Apple ecosystem, that makes the Google search still quite profitable. Now, um, if we look at, at this advertising ecosystem, and for this uh, session, I'm gonna you know, focus primarily on, on the advertising ecosystem because then I want to connect with uh, what's going on with the work with OpenAI and Microsoft. If we look at the advertising ecosystem alone, in 2022, the interesting thing is uh, actually uh, the, the, there was an increased uh, adoption. And as I explained, this increased adoption primarily came from mobile. However, the cost per click so how much it costs to advert an advertiser to uh, to you know push a paid ad on Google decreased by one percent, and I think this is something um, that uh, happened this year, and it didn't happen in uh, in in many years. And again, this is uh, due to the fact that there are formats that Google has not figured out yet how to monetize, like you know shorts. It's, fat, it's uh, given by the fact that, again, this growth in adoption has come uh, primarily from mobile and therefore it's still hard to monetize the old traffic that is coming from mobile. But yet, uh, if Google can figure this out, the mobile advertising machine can grow still substantially unless, of course, we see a scenario where Google search loses relevance in the first place. So that's pretty much what's going on with the Google adver advertising machine. Now, if we look at uh, the Google um, business model, uh, still from an advertising standpoint, it's, uh, it's quite interesting to look at the couple of metrics, uh, which I want to explain, and then we connect this with, uh, with the competition with uh, Microsoft. Now, yesterday, Google announced its uh, plan to integrate AI into search. You know, Unfortunately, as it happened in the last few years, Google uh, has been quite great at announcing stuff, a little bit less actual uh, launches. And, you know, to be, to be fair, Google is one of the greatest optimizers that we have out there, meaning that even though it's a huge company, it still has a startup mindset where it does uh, launch products organically and then uh, or on the quiet and then from there it actually iterates on, on those products many times over. For instance, if you look at Google search alone, this is updated every time over the years, probably thousands times throughout the year. And Google also launched a lot of experiments over time. Indeed, as I explained before, one statistic that Google shared yesterday is the fact that Google Lens is used 10 billion times per month. And I was not personally surprised about that because Google Lens, I've been using it for, for uh, you know, months or, you know, I, I think at least a couple, um, uh, at least uh, over a year, like uh, very, in a very, uh, day, on a daily basis. And uh, I can tell you that this is uh, probably most uh, one of the most valuable apps that uh, I have on uh, on uh, my phone. And then another interesting thing that Google announced is multi-search or the ability to again uh, perform a search in a multi-modal way by interacting also with images, which is extremely extremely interesting. So the the thing that uh, Google has uh, lost a little bit in the coming in the last years is the ability to actually come up with, come up with the breakthrough products, and now we can understand also why on top of the advertising ecosystem it cannot because actually it's a cash printing machine, and therefore if um, you know if it has to do a launch that can cannibalize its own advertising machine, it can be quite problematic. So that's uh, one of the key reasons that come to mind. 
So when I look at the advertising machine of Google, I, look, I like to look at a metric which is called TAC or Traffic Acquisition Cost. In fact, if you think in very simple terms, Google is a massive website making money with ads. As such, it needs to make sure it can acquire traffic that then it can monetize at a multiple in order to make the business work and be viable over time. So for instance, if you actually pay $1 to acquire uh, you know, a certain amount of traffic, can you turn that into $2? If you can, then you have a valuable business. This is what we can call the arbitrage machine of Google or like the advertising arbitrage machine of Google. Indeed, um, in, the, in the case of Google actually, and just to be fair, when you have an arbitrage machine, you want to make sure that this is as uh, defensible as possible and very hard to copy. And in the case of Google, the, the whole advertising business model is actually comprised uh, and it's actually a combination of technology, which is made of data, algorithms, desktop and mobile platforms, product, uh, it's the other component, which is made of uh, hardware, UX, and uh, product integrations. And then and the last component, which is critical, is distribution, which, as I explained before, is made of Chrome, Android, uh, vertical integration, deal-making, and, uh, and uh, of course, also hardware. And uh, those are extremely hard to replicate. So as you can imagine, Google does have an advertising arbitrage machine, but it is extremely hard to replicate at scale. So if we look at the traffic acquisition cost, which is a metric that I like to look every year, in, uh, in uh, 2022, Google spent uh, over, um, to, uh, actually, I think almost 22% uh, of uh, its advertising revenues toward the traffic acquisition cost. It means that actually for Google to generate um, about uh, uh, 220, over I think uh, 220 billion dollars in, um, in uh, advertising for 2022, it uh, had to spend $48 billion in acquiring traffic on top of its properties. And this uh, traffic acquisition cost is uh, comprised of various parts, like for instance, the money that Google pays to, to, to uh, network members, to other expenses and deals that Google has to actually bring back traffic and other expenses that are part of this deal. But this is uh, an incredible uh, rate, uh, which is quite good. Because uh, to give you a little bit of an idea, it means that Google is making about 4.6 times each dollar spent on acquiring traffic. So to be short, each dollar that Google is spending on traffic acquisition on top of its web properties is actually making almost $5 back to the Google advertising machine. This is how efficient Google is. I like to call this metric, so how much times over Google is able to monetize its advertising, uh, its uh, you know traffic acquisition cost. I like to call it uh, traffic monetization multiple, meaning that for each dollar that Google spends, how much it can get back in terms of revenue. And again, the number has been pretty stable from last year, which was uh, more or less the same. It was 4.6. Also this year was 4.6. And this is uh, incredible. Uh, you understand uh, that uh, Google is an incredible advertising cash printing machine. And no wonder that uh, any business player, especially if you're Microsoft, you want to get a piece of it. Especially if your advertising machine, I'm talking about micro Microsoft, can generate uh, barely like 10 billion or a little bit over 10 billion per year. Now, right now there are three disruptive forces, as I anticipated at the beginning of this episode, which are actually uh, kind of uh, disrupting this cash printing machine. 
and uh, because they're actually uh, disrupting the core product of Google, which is Google search. One is the rise of AI-generated content on the web, which will pose a serious threat for Google in terms of its ability to label this uh, content, AI content generator and therefore uh, create a framework where this AI content generator is, uh, is, allow is allowed when it's relevant and yet it can still be monetized and that's the hardest part because if uh, most of the content on the web in the coming years is going to be AI generated content will you be able to monetize this content and this uh, is actually a um, uh, sort of pressure that Google has while the company as I explained before is also trying to monetize new ad formats like the shorts on YouTube. So Google right now is facing, you know, the, the threat in figuring out how to actually label probably design generated content because there is no way out because once Google is going to come out also with its uh, its uh, chat GPT like tool, then also the AI generated content on the web is going to be coming also by the Google ecosystem and therefore you cannot ignore it. You cannot say anymore the AI generated content is not, is not allowed. You're going to say how do we make sure that we have a framework to understand when this AI content is actually relevant? And then on the other side, it's going to be interesting because, again, Google needs to figure out how to monetize this AI-generated content because if the content is not safe and it cannot be trusted, you cannot monetize it. It's uh, as simple as that. And this is happening while Google is also trying to figure out how to monetize a, a new content format on YouTube, which is called Shorts. So a huge amount of... Uh, of uh, challenges for the overall Google advertising machine. Second element, second force, which is a top-down force, is the pressure from Microsoft, which by launching OpenAI's technology within its products, uh, um, and especially within Bing, as, uh, as uh, one of the first products where Microsoft is pushing this AI technology, is a strong signal to attack Google in the heart of its business model. And Microsoft, uh, to be fair, has an advantage here, which is the fact that in the public opinion, at least when it comes to search, uh, as he's seen uh, not as the giant, which is a paradox because uh, Microsoft is larger than Google as a, as, a, as a tech giant. But, you know, in the in the face of public adoption, you know, uh, probably a few people not being compared to, to Google and therefore, you know, Google is seen as uh, the giant search. So if you think about it, this is a quite a smart move from Microsoft because if it was uh, challenging, uh, you know, Google in other directions, they would have been perceived both as a, as a giants, as tech giants, so on the same weight. But instead, since Microsoft is challenging Google on search, as you can imagine, actually, is uh, is uh, the the public perception is quite good, which explains also the the strategic decision done internally and if it was led by Satya Nadella it was a very smart move. So let's say that Microsoft has uh, some uh, uh, trust credits from the public opinion when it comes to search compared to Google which has been a search giant for years and also involved in a few scandals when it comes to, to the advertising machine. And then there is a bottom-up pressure which is coming straight from ChatGPT and also other tools, other rising tools behind ChatGPT. This is the most dangerous one for Google search because this is a massive pressure that is coming bottom up and is changing the consumer behaviors in a way that might never revert back. And therefore, if people will get used to interact on the web through conversational interface, then Google search doesn't make sense anymore at scale or at least at this scale. I do not believe that Google search is going to disappear even in the next 10 or 20 years. I think that we're still going to have Google search even on desktop, but it's going to be something way way smaller than what we have today 
Meaning that if we have a, a much better experience through ChatGPT-like tools that are conversational interface, the billions of users across the world will flock with this kind of experience, not anymore to search. So search might still remain a big platform, but not in the order of billions of users, but rather, let's say, let's call it in the millions or even in the 100 or 200 millions of professional users who still use for some reason desktop search. So as you can imagine, this is the classic uh, innovator's dilemma where the bottom-up disruptor is actually creating an industry that is able to through uh, initially a much better experience is able to actually uh, create a much wider industry is able to drive a consumer adoption in a new direction while the the legacy player is uh, still there for for years but uh, is, it becomes less and less uh, relevant in the meantime this seems to actually uh, put pressure into google that seems a little bit transformed into a clumsy uh, giant indeed if you watched uh, yesterday presentation there were various mishaps where for instance there was a missing phone to demo what was supposed to be the main uh, feature of the day which was multi-search and uh, uh, also there was a huge mistake done into introducing BARD where BARD actually uh, re represented a, a wrong fact into, uh, into uh, one of the scientific findings that BARD was showing uh, as, a, as a presentation of the tool. And indeed yesterday the title, the title lost a huge amount, I think like 100 billions in one day. Of course, there are also macroeconomic reasons, like people always try to comment in a very superficial way by looking simply at how much the title lost. Of course, there has been a wider loss of uh, Google compared to others, so we can you know, figure that uh, the, the investors were definitely disappointed with the presentation of, uh, of uh, Google of yesterday. But I think uh, the loss of the title yesterday was more due to the fact that the investor didn't see in the presentation that was done as a, as a breakthrough that you need to actually really uh, fight back to what's going on right now in the market by the uh, what's what's uh, what's happening with the Microsoft coming up with the new Bing AI and uh, OpenAI. A last word, um, and then I close this up. Um, you know, yesterday, a uh, couple of days ago, Microsoft announced Bing AI. The Bing AI interface is uh, quite interesting because it has a few AI-powered features within the search, and then on the other side, it has a chat experience within uh, within Bing, meaning that you can override um, uh, the all, after all the whole search experience and jug, uh, just go in chat mode this uh, gives you a little bit of uh, of look into how the new landscape might look like in the future when it comes to looking for knowledge on the web where we transition from search to conversational interface of course there are a few threats there because uh, if uh, users as uh, we can imagine will try as first thing to jailbreak the 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 uh, news, uh, the conversational uh, feature of, of Bing, then it means that uh, they will be able to actually uh, make Bing say anything, even things that are misleading or dangerous or stuff like that. And if they're able to do that, this can be a huge, a huge blow to, to Microsoft. What they did to prevent that is actually to introduce an additional layer on top of OpenAI technology, which Microsoft uh, is called Prometheus, which is a um, uh, technological stack that uh, through fine-tuning and different layers of security and uh, safety actually uh, has integrated OpenAI. Therefore, what you see on Microsoft through Bing is not uh, purely 
OpenAI there is an additional layer that has been added on top of Microsoft to add uh, safety uh, and, uh, and, and uh, security and relevance information but also the understanding of the web that being guessed through its uh, index and ranking system therefore you're gonna have those two uh, things combined within Bing AI and you know I think it's uh, it's a quite good product uh, Overall, however, just like ChatGPT is going to be shooting uh, misleading things um, on uh, on a scale of that that um, of, uh, of of Bing. Actually, probably the fact that Bing is a smaller search engine than Google is an advantage an advantage right now. The last point, uh, which uh, you know, I would like to to highlight here, Google is coming up with the Bard. And which is supposed to be this uh, chat GPT like uh, uh, like uh, conversational interface the interesting thing to me is as you know as you might know Google invested over 300 million dollars in a stake into a company called Anthropic which is the developer of Cloud AI that is a, a constrained bot meaning that is a constrained AI interface that has a few guardrails compared to chat GPT where it's not gonna give answer unless given more context uh, when it comes to answer that can be misleading or like can be uh, not safe. The interesting thing, uh, Google has announced that BARD is under beta testing by announcing that uh, those beta testers are selected beta testers. So the doubt that came to mind to me when I was reading these news is what if actually Google uh, has become so risk adverse and I can understand that because again, the, I explain the old Google advertising printing machine before um, you know getting to this point but what if Google has got the so risk averse that actually is spend 300 million dollars for a stake into Anthropic only to have the Anthropic team to actually be the selected beta testers into BART so I'll leave it up to, uh, with, uh, with this question and uh, I'll see you next time